Coming in hotter than a baked potato, it's Massacre Radio. On this, the 30th installment, I, of course, am your host, Members Only Dave, and we have a lot happening on today's show. As a little bit later on, I'll be joined by my guest, Zach Ward. Yes, the Postal dude himself joins me. We discuss his role in the movie Postal and a lot more. But first, you know, I haven't done this since season one of Massacre Radio, and I think it's about high time that I open up the lid. From city to city, coast to coast, globally and beyond, we're looking at you, Bermuda. Don't look now, but Members Only Dave is about to open the lid. Yeah, it's been a minute since I opened the lid on things around here, and the biggest thing I wanted to tackle today was McDonald's. They brought back the Double Big Mac. Have you heard of this? It's got twice as much meat. It's got four... Okay, first off, hang on, hang on. Did you hear how that guy was saying the word meat? Let's hear it again. Meat. 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 That's like a lowercase m with an uppercase m following it, and then E-A-T. Meat. Anyway, it goes on. Four patties, but, and notably, it's only got one slice of cheese. I guess they felt that putting in two slices of cheese would make it unhealthy. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, that is so rich. Anyway, yeah, the uh, double Big Mac, it's exactly what you think it is. And it doesn't stop there, no. I had to take it upon myself to do some investigative journalism and attend the meat party. Welcome to McDonald's. Go ahead, Jordan. What's the difference between the double Big Mac and the regular Big Mac? I think it has like a two extra patties, I think. Okay, just two extra patties. I was just curious if it had extra lettuce and sauce and cheese just to kind of offset the flavor profile. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I've never tried it. Not sure. I've never tried it, but you only worked there. Uh, You know, that's fine. So to summarize here, if a regular Big Mac got you one step closer to your death, consider the double Big Mac three steps closer. One step for each extra patty. Besides, the regular Big Mac is almost teetering with its height as it is, and adding two additional meat patties makes it feel like you're biting into a top hat. My mouth ain't tall enough for all that. In conclusion, I think I'll just take my business over to Burger King and enjoy that flame-grilled goodness. He opens the lid on all the hottest topics. Members only days. Will satisfy your sensory on Massacre Radio. You get to the bottom of all the biggest questions. Hello there, excuse me, knowledge is eternal. Don't bother to ask him to explain it any further. Yeah, cause he don't know. Yes, that is correct. You are listening to Massacre Radio on WKMA Cleveland and HD2 Station. And joining me now on the Massacre Radio hotline, well, he's been acting since the age of 10. He made his film debut in the movie A Christmas Story. And ever since, he's racked up numerous credits, both acting, producing, writing, and directing. It's none other than Zach Ward. Zach, thank you for your time today. Welcome to the program. How are we doing? I'm doing great, brother. How are you guys doing? 
Everything is great. Thanks again for joining us. Now, the main reason I wanted to have you on was to discuss your role in the film Postal. And I'll get to some other credits of yours along the way. But as it pertains to Postal, I asked you about it in passing when I spoke to you the other day. And I think you told me something to the effect of the film has a small but dedicated fan base. So when you hear that it's popular enough to get a 4K UHD remaster, what is your reaction? That's fantastic. I'm really excited. Uh, I love the fact that the fans of the film have been so loyal and shown so much support over these over all these years. Like literally, I was um, in Austin, Texas. So is Austin or another part of Texas, like over Christmas time area? And I had a 15 year old kid come up to me. She's telling me about how Postal is her favorite film. And she just loved that it had uh, just had a balls to the wall attitude, and, and it was just unapologetically non PC and ridiculous. And I feel like, especially nowadays in such a PC world, that the film has continued to uh, gather a following of younger people it is just fantastic, and just a, a real homage to uh, Uwe Boll himself for the great work that he did and the incredible. Incredible video game that the guys are running with scissors made. So I'm I'm honored to be a part of it and glad that I got to be the postal dude. <laughs> so in preparation for our conversation, I rewatched Postal last night, and the biggest thing about your performance that I loved was how great you are with the little physical comedy earlier on in the film. You know, you're great during the interview scene, trying to get seated in the wobbly chair, and I know that you also used to do improv type stuff at Acme Comedy Theater. So how much of that experience doing improv help you? with your acting in general, physical or otherwise? Um, I was always a ham. Uh, I grew up, my mom's an actress, so I grew up traveling all over the place. Um, and usually the toys that we could afford because we were broke were like, you know, old Halloween costumes. And so playing dress up and make believe was um, what the video games we had at the time. When I got to do the TV show Titus, was where I really got to play with physical comedy. And I just fell in love with it. And uh, working in Acme Comedy Theater was just another extension of that. And very fortunately with Uva, you know, we did that whole scene where, you know, uh, she's asking me the questions. And then the final one, uh, what is the difference between a duck? Just showing the craziness of the corporate environment. And originally there was, I just sat there and we did it one take. And I was like, you know, um, this is boring me something to fight against so so i'm tr like i said let me let me mess with this chair so i took out a screw on the bottom of the uh, underneath the chair so it was trying to topple me over the whole time and made it that difficult because i'm a huge buster keaton laurel and a hardy fan and uh, i'm thank you very much for the compliment on, on like noticing that stuff because that's really some of my favorite jokes is the physical stuff so the chair bit that was all you on set huh well, I don't want to take all the credit for it because, look, it's a team that comes together to make the moment work. At any, at any time, Uva could have said, no, shut up, just do what you're told. <laughs> and I would have done that. But he allowed me the uh, opportunity to play with the environment around me. And that's usually when you get the best out of your actors. So the movie Postal has a bunch of different recognizable faces in it. I mean, J.K. Simmons, the great David Huddleston, and Dave Foley, among others. You have some scenes with Dave Foley. Did you guys talk shop about improv or acting or anything like that? He seems like he'd be a great resource. I, I've known Dave Foley since I was 14 years old, 15 years old. Uh, he was in Kids in the Hall. Yes. And my older brother, Carson Foster, was the booker, uh, the promoter at the Rivoli back room. 
So it was my brother who actually brought the kids in the hall. There was a small, tiny, fringe uh, improv comedy group. They used to do performances, uh, what were they called? They were like um, uh, Improv Olympics mm-hmm. down by Lake Ontario. And my brother saw them and loved them. And he brought them to the back room at the Rivoli. And he put them up every single week during the dead nights when it wasn't a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he would have bands there. But during the middle of the week, he would give them a night for months. And in the beginning, they were dying. Nobody cared. <laughs> Nobody cared about the kids in the hall. Mm-hmm. And my brother and the owners of, this, of the Rivoli were like, oh, you need to get them out of here. And he's like, look, you're not making any money on those nights anyways. They're starting to build a loyal audience. Let them go. My brother fought for them, got them the time. And because of that, the kids in the hall became a legend in Canada. So when I was 15 years old working as a bar back at the Rivoli, I knew all the guys from the kids in the hall. So when I got to see Dave again, it was, you know, we'd known each other for 20-odd years. It was pretty cool. So, you know, speaking of Dave Foley, he goes full frontal in the movie Postal. He just lets it all hang out for everyone to see. And you did something similar in your role in Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Just talk about how awkward it is to be naked on a stage, acting and crouching down even in front of all these people. It's got to be pretty nerve-wracking, I'd imagine. So, Dave Foley did that because, I mean, uh, as everybody can look at him, he's, uh, he's uh, it's like a baby's arm holding an apple, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, for myself, you didn't actually see the full Monty. I, have, I wear something that is regarded as a um, cock sock okay. in the industry. It's basically like a, a jock strap that just goes over the front. But yeah, that was my, that was my first day on set of uh, Terminator the Sword of Chronicles. And I'm butt naked. But not only am I butt naked, but I've got a I've got a prosthetic on my chest. It's a squid, meaning I have an explosive device on my chest underneath some makeup. So as I stand up, my arms got to come back in the right way because they're going to fire off the explosives. <laughs> and if my hand's in front of it, I mean, the camera will not be able to see it, which means B, they'll have to reset, which means C, that'll take two to three hours, and they'll be pissed. And D, uh, if my hand's in front of it and it gets hurt, it could rip a hole in my arm because explosives. So a lot of pressure on you. Plus, I, I don't know how you feel naked, but I have never felt like Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. <laughs> I've never been like, yeah, that's the stuff, big boy. Right. You are, uh, you're everything you ever dreamed of there. You grew up to look like Thomas Magnum. <laughs> no, uh, so definitely a moment of like, well, can this be more humiliating? Let's, let's find out how that goes. One of my favorite tech techniques, and I actually used it in Freddy versus Jason because I'm also butt naked in that one. Apparently, they like, they like making ginger boys nude. Um, <laughs> is on the uh, cocksock, the jockstrap. I drew a smiley face using my genitals as sort of like the formation of the face. You can guess what would be the nose, etc. I did that because I knew at some point people are going to have to look down. It's not like you have a choice. It's just human dynamic. And at least this way, when they look down, they see a little smiling face drawn on there with a Sharpie. They know that I'm in on the joke with them. And it was really kind of fun. (laughs) So, you know, you walk on set, you take off your bathrobe, and everybody's being very serious. Like, yes, yes, business, business. And then you show them go, business, business. (laughs) And they just just have this moment of Scooby-like laughter. 
uh, because they realize that you're okay with it and you made them okay with the moment as well. So if you're ever going to make it, make fun of yourself first and make everybody else feel more comfortable. <laughs> Zach Ward is my guest. We're talking about the movie Postal, where he starred in as the Postal Dude. We'll get back to Postal here in just a bit, but first, you know, you mentioned the show Titus, and we talked about how you have somewhat of a comedy background, too. How much fun was it to work on a show like Titus alongside Christopher Titus, and what kind of things did you learn from working with both him and Stacy Keach, even? I mean, it seems like it would be a fun atmosphere to be around and to be a part of. It was incredible. You're you're basically at the feet of the masters. I mean, uh, and also the writers Jack Kenny, Brian Hargrove, and Christopher. And we had a we had a bunch of other staff writers that were incredible. Some of them went on to do um, uh, what's the one with the Brian the talking dog, Stewie, uh, Family Guy. Um, so we had incredible writers, and it's being around that was such an education. I got to ask so many questions about writing, and, and originally they'd be like, hey, Zach, uh, shut the app up. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. Uh, then later, they tell me to shut up, but then they explain why. And then later, I actually got some lines into episodes that I could pitch. It was the greatest experience to be funny for a living. And, and a character like Dave, who's an idiot savant, and just beloved, it was, it was great. You really... One of the highlights of my entire life, brother. Well, yeah, I mean, working with Stacy Keach alone would be pretty exhilarating, I'd imagine. We're going to take a brief time out here on Massacre Radio and be back with more from our guest today, Zach Ward, after this. In the year 2051, a new higher power has taken order as man struggles to maintain its reign at the top of the food chain in the face of a newly resurrected evil. You mean to tell me we've got dinosaurs out there running amok on our streets? Yes, that is correct, sir. So tell me, why are they wearing zoot suits, sporting fedoras, and muscling Tommy guns? What the hell is this? They're mafia dinosaurs, sir. On the streets of Youngstown, Ohio, extinction has turned into an all-out genocide against mankind. Mafia dinosaurs. In this town, the mob rules. We're back here on Massacre Radio on WKMA Cleveland and HD2 Station. My guest today, if you're just joining us, is Zach Ward. Okay, so let's get back to the movie Postal. It's based off the video game. You play the Postal Dude. What did you think, Zach, when you first read the script for Postal? I know there's a lot of political incorrectness throughout the film. Did any of that give you pause to do the role? I mean, what did you think initially? I thought it was funny, and I think funny is funny. You know, if funny is cruel, then I don't laugh. But if funny is funny, it's funny. And, you know, it worked. On the the page, the script worked. And I love comedy and I love action. So being able to put those two things together, like, "Eh, Mm -hmm. this is risky, but we'll see. Especially when you find out that the video game, so funny, was originally banned in like eight countries. Yeah. And, And it was banned for things like, uh, shooting people or or peeing on people, something inane. And then you look at games like Grand Theft Auto, where people drive around, jump out of their car, and beat a prostitute to death. And you're like, okay, so right. you're banning poster why? And look, I do not believe in any conflation between video game experiences and uh, real life. They haven't shown that that 
that actually interpolates or people play violent video games and go out on killing sprees. It's not a thing. So I wasn't really worried about any of that. I just thought it's funny. It's uh, an original voice. Worst case scenario, no one will care. Best case scenario, people are going to laugh. The movie came out opposite Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, mm-hmm. which, to be honest, was for the money. I think Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull is a much worse movie than Postal. Like, if you, if you compare how much money that thing cost and how many people worked on it, like, yeah, right. they could have done better. Postal was like a tiny budget. And I think we did pretty good. So uh, when it first came out, it got lost in the Indiana Jones shuffle. But it found its core audience, which I'm excited. Still loves the movie. It's, it's really cool. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, just in general, as it pertains to political correctness in film, because anymore these days, I often hear people say things like, oh, they couldn't make that movie today, or, oh, they couldn't make this today. What do you think about that general notion that, quote, some movies couldn't be made today because of the content or language or what have you used in the movie? For example, I hear it a lot as it pertains to the movie Blazing Saddles. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that it ebbs and flows. You have problems where, like, let's talk about Blazing Saddles, because it, it uses the N-word a lot, it has a lot of farts, it seems inappropriate, uh, but also you even look at something like uh, Tropic of Thunder, right, with Robert Downey Jr. doing blackface, and they tried to get him recanceled on that, and then you see all these YouTube videos of black people watching Robert Downey Jr. in blackface, in Tropic Thunder, laughing their asses off. And I think what happens is, look, people who want to be offended want to be offended, and they have every right to be offended. But that doesn't mean that they get to stop at what's going on. My father uh, had Alzheimer's. Uh, he recently died. When somebody makes a joke like, oh, he's got the old timers, other people laugh, I don't find that funny, because it hits a little too close to home for me, if that makes sense. But that doesn't mean that the joke shouldn't be told. The I- fact that my father died right before this Christmas, that watching him go through Alzheimer's was heartbreaking. It was three and a half years of freaking misery, nightmare fuel. But that doesn't mean that if I'm offended, you should stop making your joke. I will walk away. And that's fine. Now, on the flip side, when they did Blazing Saddles, there was no you could write a letter, but you could not cancel the people. Right. And the reality is, nowadays, there's such an immediate group mind-think lashback uh, to affect advertisers, to affect uh, platforms. You know, you saw what happened with Netflix when all their employees were fighting against Dave Chappelle. And Netflix said, uh, no, sorry, we're not going to start censoring people's art platforms. And look, I understand it's a tricky thing because you go, well, should they do a book about Mein Kampf? Mm-hmm. And I would say, you know, there's a famous thing. I may disagree with what you have to say, but I will fight to the death your right to say it. I'm not a Nazi. I've never read Mein Kampf. I don't want to read Mein Kampf. I don't support anything Hitler did or said, or socialism or fascism. I got wrong, being a fascist. Yes. But if someone wants to make a movie called Mein Kampf, they can go ahead. I don't have the right to stop them. If the marketplace accepts that book, that's up to them. That's up to them. It's weird, but I don't know how else. I don't know where you stop it, and it doesn't become an evil superpower. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I think it does, and I agree with you because it is a slippery slope. Uh, Zach Ward is my guest today, and aside from appearing in the movie Postal, I know you also did some voice work in the video games for Postal 2 and Postal 4, as well as a Tomb Raider game. What are some unique challenges voice acting offers as compared to on-screen acting? 
Yes, I did. I, but on Tomb Raider, I also did the motion capture. Oh, you did? And okay. also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I played I play the big bad guy in Tomb Raider, and I was asking them, I was like, hey, are you going to make the character look like me? And they said, oh, well, here's the character. And they showed me the character. I was like, I don't know, that guy's way, way better looking. So, yeah, make it look like that. Uh, but I also did um, Army of Two, The Devil's Cartel. I did all the motion capture and the voice for Alpha. Oh, dude, doing the, the the motion capture stuff is really cool. You look ridiculous because you're wearing those super tight green outfits with all the balls on them. And, uh, yeah, you do not look cool in any way, shape, or form. Doing the voice acting is really fun. I'll be honest with you. You do it for about four hours at a time, which sounds like kind of a wussy day at work. But after four hours of putting everything into your voice, you can barely talk. I love doing that stuff. It's a lot of fun. One of my um, one of my good buddies is uh, John Bailey, the epic voice guy. And uh, he, if you ever go on Instagram and you look him up, he can do incredible things. Like he does Optimus Prime and Tom Hardy, and you know all these all these huge names. Uh, I'm not that good. I, I just don't have the skill. Hey, don't be so hard on yourself. You totally hold your own with the voice stuff, you know? Yeah, that's really nice to be. I appreciate that, brother. You know, Zach, I read somewhere that you enjoy listening to movie scores, so I have to ask, what are some of your favorites that really get you in the mood to do some writing or relax or whatever the case may be? If you're going to – so it depends on what you're writing. If you're going to write like a uh, suspense thriller or horror movie, I really like the score by Trent Reznor for The Social Network. It's really got this incredible brooding intensity with a lot of tension in it. That one I adore. If you're going to write something like The Lord of the Rings, that's fantastic. Also the one for... um, is it Lone Survivor? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great great freaking movie. Yeah, look up scores of your favorite films. Fall in love all over again, especially if they don't have any words. I can't write and hear words at the same time. My brain won't work. I'll forget what I was going to write down while I'm writing. So, <laughs> yeah, those are, those are some of my favorite scores. Anything you'd like to plug while we have you on, Zach? Any projects you've been working on you'd like to mention? I know sometimes in your business, things can fall through easily, but is there anything coming down the pipeline that people can look forward to? I did a movie that I wrote and directed in and uh, produced called uh, Patsy Lee and the Keepers of the Five Kingdoms, starring James Hong. It's uh, like uh, Big Trouble in Little China meets the Goonies. Lots of practical effects, uh, animatronics, prosthetic makeup. It's really a fun love letter to the 80s styles of movies that I grew up with. And that's uh, coming out later on this year. I'm not sure exactly when because it it's in sales right now. What else? I've got a movie called Darkness of Man coming out with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, James Cullen Brussick directed that. And uh, I play uh, a bad man Russian character, which is fun. For more updates, you can go to Total Zach Ward on Instagram and Twitter. T O T A L Z A C K W A R D. Hit me up and say howdy. Nothing else. It's just the, the daily, you know, working on some other cool things. May I may have uh, might be following in Ryan Reynolds' footsteps and have uh, have some beverages coming out later on this year. Zach Ward with his own beverage line. I am so in. That sounds awesome, man. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, I don't drink, so I don't drink alcohol, um, but so I'm going to make something that appeals to both people who enjoy alcohol and people who don't. Zach Ward has been my guest today, and for people who don't know, Christmas Story is in the Smithsonian Institute, so technically speaking, Zach, you are a national treasure. That, that's right. That's why Nicolas Cage is always chasing me. <laughs> 
thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Hit me up anytime, brother. Massacre Radio. Hey, thanks again to my guest today, Zach Ward. He's officially the second Canadian we've had on the program, and I barely scratched the surface of his credits, both in TV and movies and otherwise, you know. I mean, I could have talked to him for another hour easily, so it was really cool of him to take the time. Anyway, that about does it for this installment of Massacre Radio on WKMA Cleveland and HD2 Station. As always, I've been your host, Members Only Dave, and I'll talk at you next week.